Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join special guest Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. What an honor, what a privilege, and uh, I will do my very best to stay within our time this morning. I realize that uh, it's, it's hard for an evangelist. I'm used to going and preaching, and sometimes I'll preach as long as an hour and a half at one time, and I come here, and Brother Henry says, 20 minutes. What can you do with that? We were at the restaurant the other day, and the phone rang, and he picked it up. And he began to talk, and he put it on speaker. The lady on the other end of the line, I assumed it was Miss Beth. I didn't know who it was. And uh, she said, uh, hey, honey. And he said, hey, how you doing? And uh, she, the lady on the side says, I went by that house that you and I have been looking at, and they've reduced the price, $20,000, and I think we need to go ahead and put a bid on it. He said, yeah, go ahead and do that. And while, by the way, uh, I went by that car lot, and you know that, that real nice Cadillac, that, that pretty one they had out there that, that you said I could have? They got a big sign on it saying, he said, listen, don't even think twice about it. You go ahead, you go ahead, get that thing, don't worry about that. And then, I, I, honey, I, you know I'm going to have to have a dress for Friday night. Yes, I understand, honey, listen, I've got it in the budget, don't worry about that. And uh, she said, all right, I love you, you've been great today. He said, I oh, don't think nothing of it. He folded the phone up, held it up and says, does anybody know whose phone this is? <laughs> my pastor, my pastor. If you've got your Bible with you today, whether you have to turn it on or whether you have to open it up, would you find John's Gospel, the 8th chapter? John's Gospel, the 8th chapter. I, I want to speak to you, and I, I promise you I won't be very long, uh, but I want to I ask a question that originally was asked, or originally was stated, um, about 2,000 years ago. John's Gospel, the 8th chapter, is one of the most unique chapters in your Bible. It begins with a very familiar story. Jesus Christ has come in verse number 1 from the Mount of Olives back to the temple. And he's there in the temple teaching, which is what he was prone to do. And the scribes and the Pharisees bring a woman that's been taken in the very act of adultery. And they bring her, and you can imagine what's going on at this time. The, the temple is crowded, much like we are this morning, uh, maybe even more so. People are milling about, and, and here comes a crowd of very regally dressed men pharisees sadducees and and they're bringing with them this woman taken in the very act of adultery now you think for just a moment how she must be adorned how, how she must be dressed and they're dragging her she does not want to be here her her head is bowed down uh, she doesn't want to look about it she is embarrassed she can't believe this is happening to her and they bring her and they throw her literally at the feet of jesus and they began to question him, and they said, well, you know, Moses' law said that this woman needs to be stoned. She's taken in the very act of adultery. And, uh, but what do you do? You, you, you're a teacher. You've got all these people following you. What do you think we ought to do to this, this sinner? And, and Jesus knelt down and began to write on the ground. And 
Uh, people have speculated all the time about what he was writing there. I, I don't know what he wrote there. The songwriter said he was writing love letters in the sand. Isn't that a great sentiment? I think maybe perhaps he was writing their sins. Because Jesus stood up and said, You who is without sin, you cast the first stone in her. And they began to drop from the oldest to the youngest. They dropped their rocks and they went away. And Jesus is left there with just the woman now. And, and, and I, I believe in my heart she's never looked up. I believe in my heart that she's so embarrassed that she's not once cast a glance, a glance toward him. And he looks at her and he says, Woman, where are thine accusers? And, and she looks around perhaps for the first time. <laughs> Relieved, she said, No one, Lord. Woo! That was a good day in the temple, amen. And Jesus looked at her and said, well, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. And if that was the only thing that happened in John's Gospel, the 8th chapter, it'd be a tremendous chapter, but that's not the only thing that happens. As you go forward in the chapter, you come to the end of the chapter, and the scribes and the Pharisees have come back. And now they're really putting the pressure on Jesus, and they're questioning Jesus, and, and they're asking about what authority he's doing these things, and who does he think he is? And, and after all, they were the children of Abraham, and, and he should recognize them as that. And, and he refused. He just proclaimed himself as Lord. And they picked up their stones again and would have stoned Jesus in the temple. Very unusual chapter. Starts with a stoning, ends with a stoning. But right in the middle, the scribes and the Pharisees have come back. The most religious men of that day and time, they've come back to Jesus and they're questioning Jesus. And Jesus makes a statement. You got your Bible? Look at verse number 21. Here's what the Word of God says. John chapter 8, verse number 21. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, listen, and you shall seek me. There will come that time when you will be looking for me. But you're going to die in your sins. And whether I go, you cannot come. Look again, if you will, please, verse number 24. Jesus speaking, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Always talking about Jesus being life and Jesus and the love of the Lord and all of those things. And so it's almost hard for us to wrap our mind about this statement that Jesus made three times. Three times to very religious people. He said, if you don't change, if something doesn't happen in your life, you're going to die in your sin. Our Bible is filled with statements about death. James, the fourth chapter, James, the apostle, asked the question. He said, what is your life? It's just a vapor. It appears for a short time and then it soon vanishes away. That's life, isn't it? All of us are like, are like a story that's being told. We have a conclusion. All of us are like the flowers of the field. We are fading and the day comes when we will die. In fact, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, the Bible assures us there is appointed in a man a time to die. But if you know your Bible, you know that, that there are really only two ways people die. People either die saved by the grace of an almighty God. That's the way to go. Amen? Looking for the Lord to come at any moment. Knowing that if your eyes close in death, the next second you will wake in His presence. And there you will be forever and ever and ever for the glory of God. 
Wonderful! But not all people die like that. In fact, according to your Bible, in Matthew's Gospel, the 7th chapter, in verses 13 and 14, the Word of God makes this statement. He says, there is a broad way with a wide gate, and many there be that go in thereat. But straight is the way, and narrow is the gate that leadeth to the life, and few there be that find it. On the one side, we have many, many on a broad road, many on a wide gate that leads to death. But on the other side, very narrow gate, very straight way, and only a few that are going to be able to find it. In fact, if you understand Scripture, you understand that the majority of people will die in their sin. You hear this morning, you say, preacher, I'm saved. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Do you understand that that day can also come for you? As a born-again child of God, you, you, you don't have any out on this thing. The Bible says, Romans chapter 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that the day is going to come when all of us, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, are going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for the life we live as Christians. That the stewardship is going to be called into account and whether we were faithful or not to the things of God. And one day we will give an account before the Lord Jesus Christ of all the things we did since we were saved. That's the reason 1 John 1, 9 is in your Bible. The Word of God speaking to those who are saved says if we confess our sin, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, why isn't every Christian on his face confessing his sin and getting right before God? It's because we love our sin. Your Bible says in 1 John chapter number 5, I believe it is, that there is, excuse me, James chapter number 5, that there is a sin unto death. Not for lost people. They're already dead. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, but you were dead in your trespasses and sin. I'm not talking about those. He's talking about those of us who are saved. And we come to a place where we will not live for God. We will not serve God. We, and you say, well, that's legalism. No, that's just stewardship. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the apostle Paul, listen to these words. I beseech you, I beg you, brethren. Who's he talking to? Brethren, I beg you, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Listen to this. This is your reasonable service. The least you can do. Why is it so bad for a man to die lost in his sin? It's so bad because of all that God has done to keep it from happening. Do you understand the Bible says, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but He's long-suffering to us. He's not willing that anybody should perish, but that all should come into repentance. God's will is for you to be saved, so much so that the Bible says that God sent His only begotten Son to die for you. Can you grab the hold of that mentally this morning? Can you comprehend the great God of glory? who loved His Son with a pure love, allowing that Son to die on a cross for you? Not only is it such a tremendous sin because of what God has done in the giving of His Son, God sent the Holy Spirit to convict your heart. 
as if you were the only one in the universe. God sent the Holy Spirit, John the 16th chapter, to convict you of sin and to draw you, John 6.44, to the Son that you might be saved. And the giving of His Son and the giving of the Holy Spirit wasn't enough. God preserved His Word for you. Do you understand that this generation, above all generations that have ever lived before us, are blessed beyond measure. We have the Bible, the written Word of God. We have so many different versions of the Bible. It's easy for anyone to read. And even if you can't read and you can do this, you can still listen to the Word of God. All you've got to do is push the button on a tape player. And you can hear the Word of God. And God allowed you to live at this time and He preserved the Word of God for you at this time so that you might know how to be saved. And if it wasn't enough that God sent His Son and the Holy Spirit and preserved His words, God called preachers. Romans chapter 10, the Word of God asked the question, how shall they hear without a preacher? And so God called and anointed men to stand before you and to open the Word of God so that you might hear the Word of God and you could be saved. But not all are saved. In fact, three times Jesus makes this statement in John's Gospel, the 8th chapter. You will die in your sin. I believe one reason, then our Scripture bears this out, that men die in their sin is because they really don't believe the Bible. You got your Bible there in front of you? It's in John's Gospel, the 8th chapter, in the 41st verse. Jesus Christ makes this statement in verse 45. And because I tell you the truth, and you believe me not. I believe this is the greatest sin a man can commit. I don't believe it's adultery. I don't believe it's murder. I don't believe it's molesting a child as terrible and as vile and wicked as those things are. I believe the greatest sin that a man commits is that he doesn't believe That Jesus is the only way to heaven. That God loved you so much that he would give his son to die in your place. And you say, oh, preacher, I just don't know. No, no, I'm not going to grab hold of that. No, no, listen to what the word of God says. The Bible says, Revelation chapter 21, verse number 8. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderer, the whoremonger, the uh, sorcerer, the idolater, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. The second thing he mentions, the fearful, those who are scared to stand up for the glory of God, for the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And then the unbelieving. That's the second sin he lists. Look again in your Bible, John chapter 3, verse number 18. The Bible says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he believeth not. He hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You say, well, preacher, the way I see it, the way I got it figured out, well, preacher, this is the way I think. You be very, very careful. This Bible says, Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of You'll not go to heaven some other way. Jesus Christ very emphatically states, John chapter 14, verse number 6, I am the way, singular. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Oh, preacher, if I believed that, I'd get... 
the reason you will die in your sin is because you don't believe that he is the Son of God, that he loved you enough to die for you, and that if you by faith would call out, he would save you in a heartbeat. Secondly, people will die in their sin not only because of disbelief, but because of delay. You've got it there in front of you. Look what the Bible says, John chapter 8, verse number 21. Jesus said, Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and you shall seek me, and you shall die in your sins. And whether I go, you cannot come. Jesus spoke of a time when men will seek him, but they can't find him. They're going to be looking for him. They're going to be searching after him, and they can't find him. I put a lot of thought and a lot of time into this, and I believe that I have discovered from the Word of God, not because some preacher told me, not because what some church said, but from the Word of God, there are at least four possibilities that there might come a point when you would look for the Lord and you couldn't find Him. The first one would be sudden death. Sudden death. Twenty-one times in the Bible, men died without warning. The fool of Luke chapter number 12. He had it all figured out. He was going to tear his barns down. He was going to build bigger barns. He was going to live to a ripe old age. He was going to eat, drink, and be merry. But that night, the angel of God came and knocked upon his heart's door and said, Thy fool! This night, thy soul shall be required. It could happen in a moment. It could happen in a second. My wife and I had the privilege of traveling to Bell, Florida. We did a revival down there, Brother Jimmy uh, Corbin had asked us to come to a revival. We got there uh, Sunday morning, and uh, we went into the church. Never been in a church where it's so melancholy, so sad. Uh, just a, a spirit of sorrow was hovering over the church. I pulled the pastor aside. I said, you didn't tell him I was coming, did you? He said, Brother Bill, this is not a time to be cute. I said, what's, what's the problem? Then he unfolded the story. There was this girl that had been raised up in that church, and, and everybody loved her. She was saved at an early age. Just a precious child, just brought up in the church. Everything was wonderful. But she had got up to be a teenager. She's 16 years old now. And she had got her running around with some friends that perhaps were not the best kids in school. And one of those girls had invited her to come over and spend the night, that Saturday night, with her. And well, she went and told her mom and dad that she had been invited and she really wanted to go. And her mom and dad says, no, you can't go over there. We don't know her. But I tell you what, she can come here and she can spend the night with us. Oh, that's great. That'll work out fine. Unbeknownst to the mom and dad, the girls had decided that uh, after mom and dad went to sleep, that they would slip out the girl's bedroom window. And they were going to meet up with two guys, both of who were a lot older than them. And so they, they did that. They followed their plan. Everything was good. Mom and Dad got to that place where they went to the bed and went to the bedroom. And About 12.30, Highway Patrolman knocked on their front door. Mr. Jones, for lack of a better name, yes. Mr. Jones, I've got some bad news concerning your daughter. She's been involved in an automobile accident. And she did not survive. 
father went limp. He said, you, you, you've got the wrong house. My daughter is in the bedroom right in there. She, she got a friend spending the night with her. The mother tore through the house to the bedroom where their daughter slept and threw open the door. And there was the bed. Never had even been turned back. The story unfolded that this girl that was not of a Christian nature had enticed this young lady and they slipped out and they met these two men and these two men had a little bit too much to drink and they were riding along and there's a four-way stop sign and they ran through the four-way stop sign just as another group of teenagers who were drinking ran through the stop sign. The young girl that was not the Christian girl did not have a scratch. The two men, they had some areas, issues, they were taken to the hospital. The 16-year-old daughter was pronounced dead at the scene. And word had just come that morning because sudden death is real. Sudden death can happen in a moment. And if it happens to you and you're not saved, you cannot come to the Lord. All of your decisions for the glory of God must be made this side of the grave. But not only sudden death, there is what I refer to simply as the withdrawal of the Holy Spirit of God. Genesis chapter 6, verse number 3, the Bible says, Jesus and God doing the speaking, He said, there will come a time when my spirit will not strive with a man. It will not wrestle with a man. John 6, 44, the Bible says, in Jesus Christ doing the speaking, He says, no man can come unto me unless the Father draws him. Unless there is that convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God in your life, you can't come. The day Charles Haddon Spurgeon talked about, when the Holy Spirit of God no longer comes and convicts you of your sin. Or oh, there may have been a time. It may be that you're sitting here in this church service like so many other people. And there was a day when you went to church and the preacher got up and preached a salvation sermon and your heart burned within you. And the Holy Spirit of God spoke to you and said, you know, you need to be saved. The Holy Spirit of God spoke to you and said, you know, I love you. The Holy Spirit of God spoke to you and said, I sent my son to die on the cross for you. I want you to be saved. And all you knew you needed to go, but you didn't. And now you can go in a service like this and you're reading your bulletin. You're trying to figure out what time we're going to get out so we can meet the Methodists to the church, to the restaurant. All of those things. And the Spirit of God no longer deals with your heart. Which leads me to my third reasoning. Not only will there come a time, the Bible says, when you look for God and can't find Him, I believe sudden death is that. I believe the withdrawal of the Spirit. But I believe there is such a thing in your Bible as crossing God's deadline. I believe for every man in this building, there is a place somewhere in our life when we step over that line and we say, God, no to God, the last time. I believe our God is faithful. I believe, according to John chapter number 16, that he convicts every man of, uh, every man of sin, righteousness, and of judgment to come. I believe that with all of my heart. But I do believe there is a place. Your Bible says in the book of Exodus, there came a time when God hardened 
Pharaoh's heart. Let me give you some scripture this morning. And they're going to throw these up there. I'm going to give them just a minute to put the scripture up there. I believe this is very important. In John's Gospel, the 12th chapter, and the 37th verse, John's Gospel, the 12th chapter, verse 37 through 40. Here's what your Bible says. John chapter 12, verse 37. And though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet may be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? To whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, listen to this, verse 39. They could not believe. Because that Isaiah saith again, He, God, hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. Do you understand Scripture? According to what the Word of God said, there's a day, a line, a deadline. And once you step over that line, Proverbs chapter 1, can you put that up there for us? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 24 through 28. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 24 through verse number 28. The Word of God says, Because I called and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But you have set it naught, all of my counsel. You would have none of my reproof. When I said it was wrong, you tried to make an excuse for it. When I said that it was sin, you tried to make it something social. God says, verse number 26, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when fear cometh. When fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then shall you call upon me. But I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Three times in the book of Romans, Romans chapter number 1, the word of God says God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them over. Second Peter chapter 2, the Bible says there was a deadline for Noah's day. Noah went into the ark and he sat in there for seven days. Seven days after preaching for 120 years. Anybody, everybody could have went in the ark. There was room for everybody. Nobody went in. After seven days, the Bible says, God shut the door. Isaiah 22, 22 says the same thing as Revelation chapter 3. That God is a God that when He openeth, no man shuts. But when He shuts, no man opens. And the rains came and the floods came. And everybody on the outside of that ark died. People scratching at the door. Listen, if Noah could have opened that door, I believe with all my heart he would have. But he couldn't because they had crossed over. There was a time when God said, listen, the deadline came for the people of Sodom. The sin of Sodom reached heaven. And God said, that's it. That's it. Fire and brimstone rained from heaven. Not a soul except for Lot and his wife. And those three children were allowed to go out. Those two children were allowed to go out of Sodom, and of course you know the story of Lot's wife. A deadline. But there's a fourth reason why time runs out. The thing that I'm praying for every day. Jesus coming in the rapture. I hope you're praying for that. I hope you're saved. hope you're looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. Amen? Brother Henry made a statement the other day. He said he was driving down the road and he asked God, am I going to die? And God said, of course you are. He ain't told me that yet. 
Okay? It's time to have a hope. I want to hear the sound. First Thessalonians chapter 4. The word of God says there will come a day when Jesus will stand upon the ramparts of heaven and he'll cry with a loud voice, Come up hither and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those people that are not members of the river of life, they're going first. Then you and I, which are alive and remain, we shall be caught up together with Him in the cloud. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Unless you're not saved. If you're not saved, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verses 10 through 12. Can we put that up there, guys? I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you this morning. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse number 10, 11, and 12. Here's what the Bible says. If the rapture happens and you're not taken, you say, well, preacher, if I see everybody gone, I'll know what's happening. I'll get saved then with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Listen, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They were left behind. They didn't go in the rapture. And for this cause, because they did not receive the love of God, God shall send them strong delusions. Their minds shall be clouded. They shall believe a lie that they all, how many is all? That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Why will a man die in his sin, preacher? Disbelief, yes. Because of the deadline, because time running out, the delay, he could have, but he should have, he didn't. But here's one last thing, I'll share it with you in closing. Men die in their sin because of the delusion of righteousness. You got your Bible there in front of you, John chapter 8, verse number 41. John chapter 8, verse number 41. The delusion of righteousness. Actually, I'm going to begin my reading in verse 39. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man which hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one Father, even God. They thought they were righteous. And Jesus said, verse 42, Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Listen, even because you cannot my word you are of your father the devil the lust of your father you will do he was a murderer from the beginning he abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him when he speaketh the lie he speaketh of his own he is a liar and the father of it and because i tell you the truth you will not believe me second corinthians chapter four verse number four word of god says this in whom the god satan of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. God spoke of a people deceived by Satan into believing that they were all right. 
they were going to be okay. They just felt in their heart that everything was okay. Your Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, be sober, be vigilant, because you have an adversary, the devil, who walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 10, Peter writing to the church, writing to the church, those who were on the inside of the building, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for that if you do these things, you shall never fail. And people ask me all the time because I'm an evangelist and I travel. 90% of the meetings that I hold are inside of a church building. Not all. Thank God I still get invited to sawmills. Still get invited to golf courses to preach from time to time. But every, most of my meetings are inside the church. And they say, preacher, why in the world do you want to preach to the church? I mean, after all, we're all saved. It's been estimated that 75% of the church rolls have no idea what salvation is. They joined the church. They got baptized. They shook some preacher's hand. If the Lord were to come right now, they'd be in church next Sunday. Because after all, that's what they do. Matthew 24, 24. Jesus says in the last days, false Christ and false prophets will rise and show many signs and wonders to deceive if it were possible, even the elect of God. To deceive, if it were possible, even the, the elect of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Why will a man, why will a woman, why will a boy or girl die in their sin? Because they just don't believe that a holy God will send them to a devil's hell. And yet your Bible emphatically states, without the blood of Jesus, without you being saved, you have no hope. I'm going to call him Charlie. He was a funny guy. I was pastoring my first church. Y'all, uh, Brother Henry can remember when you're a pastor, and we've got several pastors, Brother Gordon here, uh, different ones that are here today. Uh, Brother Logan, uh, uh, Dustin's up here. Uh, let me just say a word about Brother Dustin right here. This won't cost you anything. Uh, Dustin and his wife are here. He pastors over in Perry, Florida, Faith Baptist Church. And last Sunday, his wife gave birth to two twin boys. One of them is three pounds, one of them three pounds, two ounces, but they're growing. And they're able to be here in church with us this morning as support. And I just thank God for them. Well, let me tell you something. I remember pastoring that first church, Catron, Missouri, right there on Highway EE off 51. I know you know exactly where it's at. Catron is so small it didn't have anything in it except an old Cushman railroad car. On one end was a liquor store and the other end was a grocery store divided right down the middle. That's all we had and a cotton gin. That was all we had in Catron, Missouri and a Baptist church and an Assembly of God church. And the Assembly of God Church didn't have any heat in the wintertime, so they came over and met with us, and I have never gotten over that. I love it. They would come in, and old Charlie came in. It was Saturday afternoon, and I was praying over a message, and I was there, and I was in my office. You know, it used to be a broom closet, but when they called me to be pastor, I became, I got an office, and, and I was sitting in there, and I was praying, and Charlie came and beat on the door, and I let him in. I said, hey, Charlie, what's going on? He said, man, I said, I saw your car out here in the front, and I just wanted to come by and tell you I'm going to be in church in the morning. I said, Charlie, man, that's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I was trying to get rid of him. 
We talked for a minute. He told me about his car. He told me about his dogs, his kids, all that stuff. I said, please, would you just leave? And then Charlie made this statement. He said, Pastor, he said, my mama's going to be in church in the morning. I said, wonderful. Praise the Lord. Glory. He said, I'm going to get saved in the morning. Immediately, Charlie had my attention. I said, what do you mean you're going to get saved in the morning? I assumed he was saved. And he said, uh, no. He said, my mom's going to be in church in the morning. This is what he said. He said, I'm going to walk down and get saved. And this is what he said, okay? And when I get saved, she's going to drop her teeth. I didn't want that in my mind. I'm looking at him, I say, hey, Charlie, listen to me. Do you understand what being saved is about? Yes, yes, yes. I said, you understand you can be saved right now? All you got to do, me and you get down right here. We go through the Roman road. You pray, ask Christ to come into your life. He'll save you, and then we'll just celebrate tomorrow. He said, oh, no, preacher. He said, I'm going to get saved tomorrow. I talked to Charlie for over two hours after that. Charlie left my office. He said, preacher, I'll see you in the morning. I'm going to get saved tomorrow. That night, my wife and I were laying in our bed. We, we had a single-wide mo- uh, travel motorhome-like thing. Uh, they, it was out in the middle of a cotton field, and they, they pulled it up there for us to live in. And on the other side of the church, there's a three-red-room brick ranch-style home where the chairman of the deacons lived. God's my witness. My wife was here. She's telling you the truth. We had rats so big in our house that I took a baseball bat and walked there and tried to hit them at night. About 10.30, we're laying in bed. Our son Chris is in, the ba- in, the, in his little bedroom, in his little bed. And it sounded like the world came to an end. I mean, literally. And uh, I, she said, what was that? I said, I think somebody must have blown the church up. Let me, I put my blue jeans on, my old sweatshirt. I went running. I met Jim Sweeney, who was chairman of the deacons, gone to be with the Lord now, in the front yard, First words out of his mouth, preacher, what have you done? I said, Brother Jim, I hadn't done anything. The church looks all right. It must be the cotton gin. We walked over to the cotton gin, and and if you've ever been around one of those old-fashioned cotton gins, they had a place there where the trucks would back up a ramp, and they somehow would dump all the cotton out of the the trailer and everything. And and this car had come, and uh, it had went up on that ramp or two wheels had, and it turned over on the top of it, and it slid, and it hit an old metal building. They just demolished the building. The couple got out of it. They were dusting themselves. Seemed to be okay. And Brother Jim said, Preacher, what's that? And we turned and looked behind where the car had come from, and it looked to be just an old pile of rags. And uh, he had the flashlight, and he started that way, so I followed him. And we got over there, and we realized it wasn't a pile of rags. It was a body. And as we looked at it, we realized that it was the body of Charlie. And what had happened, Charlie and his wife, they had left our little old community of Catron and gone down to Bernie to get a hot dog because you couldn't get one in Catron. And they had drove down to Bernie. I'll tell you how long ago this had been. He, his gas gauge didn't work, and he carried a gas can in the trunk of his car just in case he ran out of gas. And before you condemn him for that most of the guys my age in this building probably did the same thing it was just common and he got out and and he was he had his gas can and his wife was sitting there the kids were sleeping in the back seat and he was pouring the gas into the car and he saw this car coming and his wife said he hollered out last words he ever said 
that car's going to hit me. And he dropped the gas can. And rather than going around behind the car, he turned and went across the road. And the guy that was driving the car saw him at the last minute, swore, swerved to miss him and hit him and literally broke every bone in his body. And I sat there looking at the corpse of a man who promised me tomorrow I'd be in church preacher. Tomorrow, I'm going to get saved. And yet a man who died in his sins. This is your moment. Many of you sitting under the sound of my voice right now, you realize things aren't right with you and God. You realize that if the Lord were to call you this very moment, if sudden death, 21 times mentioned in that Bible, were to suddenly come into your life because there is appointed unto man a time to die, if sudden death suddenly came, you know that you would be lost for all eternity. Despite everything that God has done to keep it from happening, you have not responded to His love. You have not been saved. And if you died tonight, if the rapture came, if this is the last opportunity you ever have to be saved and the Holy Spirit dealt with your heart and you stepped across that deadline, then according to the Word of God, you would die in your sins. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. But the thing will ride on your headstone it didn't have to happen. God loves you so very much. He wants you to be saved right now. In fact, the Bible says God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, before we got good enough, before we, we went home and straightened out some things, before we turned over newly, the word of God says, that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, those who are without God. Would you accept that this morning? My time is gone. I could preach to another hour, hour and a half. No problem. But you've already heard the truth as clear as I can present it. And now the responsibility is yours. Responsibility is yours. Responsibility is yours. If I could make a choice for you, I'd make it for you, but I can't. I had to make my own choice. And now you've got to make your choice. Will you trust Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life? I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me, please. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.